You ready to go home already? <laughs> We're just getting started. Okay. If I can get my iPad to work. There we go. Okay. We've been in a series the last few weeks called Enemies of the Heart. We've been talking about this whole thing of how there's certain things that get into our hearts that uh, direct our lives, affect our relationships, and uh, destroy a lot of things that we don't sometimes, uh, that we're aware of, other times we're not. Um, most of us in our life have been taught, I think all of us have been taught, maybe we didn't always listen, uh, that we're supposed to behave, that behavior's important. Our parents taught us that. Uh, we know that in the world, to get along, we have to behave certain ways. Uh, and we can get in trouble even as adults if we don't behave, obey the laws, do the things that we need to do. But the Bible teaches us something not only do we need to behave, but we need to do something else. We need to do something called guard our hearts. Uh, guarding our hearts is something different than behavior because guarding our hearts has something to do with what's the motivations of who we are. And our hearts are not just, as we talk about the enemies of the heart, not about heart disease and what we usually think about going to the doctor. This is something insidious that happens in, in all of us in different ways. And so we've already talked about a couple of enemies of the heart already. We talked about guilt a couple of weeks ago, and we said the thing that the Bible talks to us about in regards to guilt is the confession. Then we talked about jealousy last week, and if you weren't here, and uh, that's been there on, online on our podcast. And today I want to talk about our heart and our possessions. Um, I'm going to talk about ge generosity versus greed. And... Um, Greed is a different breed of enemy of the heart than the other enemies that we've talked about and the one we'll talk about next week as we conclude the series. Um, greed disguises itself in a real sense. Greed hides behind several virtues. Uh, greed, uh, greedy people uh, many times are savers. And saving is a good thing, right? Sure. Uh, greedy people are often planners, and planning is a good thing. Greedy people want to make sure their financial future is secure, and that's a good thing too, right? Greed is easy to hide from ourselves, but the people around us know that we're greedy because although it may be difficult to spot greed in the mirror, it isn't difficult at all for people to see us because greedy people uh, can be identified in all kinds of different ways. For instance, let me give you just a few ideas about how to identify a greedy person. Greedy people talk a lot and worry a lot about money. Greedy people are not cheerful givers. Greedy people are reluctant to share. Greedy people are poor losers. Greedy people quibble over insignificant sums of money. Greedy people talk as if they just have enough to get by, no matter how much they have. Greedy people often create a culture of secrecy, secrecy around them. Greedy people won't let you forget what they've done for you. Greedy people are reluctant to express gratitude. Greedy people aren't content with what they have. Greedy people attempt to control people with their money. Greed knows no socioeconomic boundaries. I've met greedy people who are poor and greedy people who are rich. Greed isn't a financial issue as we talk about it today. It's a heart issue. Financial gain doesn't make greedy people less greedy. Financial gain or loss doesn't change anything because greed emanates from the heart. Now today, if you're here and you're thinking, oh boy, I've came to church, this is my first time here at Great Oaks, and they're going to talk about money, it's all about the church and money, let me give you something, I'll just tell it now and I'm going to say it again later, this is not about giving money to the church, okay? But it's about giving. 
It's about doing something that will change the greed that's in our heart and redirect who we are in our life. Matter of fact, Jesus uh, said this in, uh, in a couple of ways. And, and if you want to study this further, uh, this verse I'm about to read, this first verse out of Luke 12, 15, you might want to go to that passage sometime this week and read that. Maybe it's a small group. Read the, the part surrounding it. I'm not going to really focus on that. But Jesus considered a warning issued uh, in regard to this. He says in Luke 12, 15, he said to them, watch out. He says, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of of greed. He said there's more than one kind of greed. And then he gives an example of what one kind of greed is. He says this, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. When we usually think of greed, what do you usually think of? Your first mindset, the first person, who do you think of? Scrooge. I mean, Scrooge is like, you know, Scrooge kind of greed. The guy who sits around in a dark room with piles of money and, and, you know, kind of a pauper, but he doesn't want to spend anything on himself or anybody else because he's greedy. He just wants to consume and have and have and have. We think of that as one kind of greed. We're going, I'm not that kind of greedy person. I'm off the hook. The day's sermon's not about me. Hold on. I'll get to you. Guaranteed. Okay? Because Jesus next says this, he says, and he gives us an example of a different kind of greed than what I call Scrooge greed. This is the kind of greed, he says, that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. What Jesus is saying here is this. For the greedy person, stuff equals life. We wouldn't say that. Uh, but we've bought into this, that stuff is life. And so to tamper with or ask for or damage my stuff is in a sense, well, it's personally, personally threatening. Because the stuff is an extension of who you are. It's the kind of person who has a closet full of stuff. Clothes, stuff, whatever. And what do we have to do? We already have a closet full of stuff. We have to go out and get more stuff. And then more stuff, and then more stuff. Life equal acquisition of stuff. And if we live that kind of life, then life, then somebody comes along and asks you for a donation, and this is how you approach it. You approach it this way, let me, let me look in my wallet and see what I have. You know, well, I got, you know, a few bucks in my wallet, so maybe I'll give you some of that. And I'll give you what I, but that's not how you approach spending. No, you approach spending in a totally different way than approaching giving, because you approach spending by nothing. What's in your wallet has never stopped you from spending, has it? That's why Dave Ramsey is such a hugely popular person nowadays because we don't know how to, we live in this culture where it's easy to spend, very, very easy to spend. We'll spend all kind of time trying to figure out how to upgrade our car or, or upgrade our house and hours and hours and hours and we'll borrow money and we'll do all these different things to upgrade our lifestyle. But when it comes to, to, to giving, man, it just, it's just what I got in my wallet. Totally different mindsets. Totally different mindsets. And when we have this kind of, this thing where, where life equals, uh, where we think that life equals how much possessions that we have. You know what God calls that? He calls it greed. He calls it greed. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning to hear this? This is so encouraging this morning. But I wanted to be, let you know something. This is really something so important, and especially in our culture that we live in. Because, you know, Bill, you know, you're just going like, well, Bill, you just condemned our entire culture, our way of life in America, you know, about if we consider having stuff is, is a kind of greed, just, just consumed by stuff, have to have more stuff, the newest thing, the better thing, the, the, hot, the hottest thing out there. We have to have that kind of mindset. And, and I'm condemning myself as well, okay? 
Because I live in the same culture that we live in. That's why we're studying these verses today, because this is not easy, but it's delicate. But Jesus gives this example. He says, if I live my life as if I don't, if I don't get that thing, that I'm going to die. When we don't say that, do we? But we act that way. We go and stand in long lines to get that thing, to be the first one, to do whatever we want to do. We had on Black Friday. I mean, what an idiotic day. Right? Or when an apple comes out with a new product. Don't, I know. Apple, I got apple, this is apple two, okay? This is not a five or whatever it is, you know? The thing is, is that we have this, and Jesus, the, the reason Jesus talks about this, the reason that we're going to talk about this today, and this is one of the enemies of the heart, and I think an enemy that affects us all in so many ways, and if we don't watch it, this thing called greed will impact our heart and impact our relationships. People around you will begin to feel that stuff is more important than they are. We will alienate people in our quest for getting more stuff and protecting our stuff. And you know what the, the driving force behind greed is? It's fear. We have this fear. We have this fear that, that, uh, that fuels greed. Greed is supported by an endless cast of what ifs. What if, I, what if, I, what if my car gets scratched? What if, uh, what if it gets lost? What if something gets lost? What if there's not enough? What if, what if uh, I don't get my fair share? What if she has more than me? What if, if the economy collapses? See, people with greed lodged in their heart fear that God either can't or won't take care of them. Yes, you heard me right. People with greed lodged in their heart fear that God either can't or won't take care of them. More to the point, let me get more to the point. They're afraid that God won't take care of them in the fashion or style in which they want to be cared for. And the gap between what they suspect God might be willing to do and what they want becomes a major source of anxiety in our life. And so greedy people shoulder the burden to acquire and maintain everything they need to provide a sense of security they desire. But that's where the problem lies. Because the reality is this. For the greedy person, there's never enough. It's never enough. Greedy people can never have enough to satisfy their need to feel secure in light of every conceivable eventuality. You just can't cover all the bases. And there's always another what if that drives us to acquire more. Consequently, greedy people are rarely at peace with others and never at peace with themselves. And greed eventually strains their relationships at every level, eroding long-term relationships over stuff that has uh, been that has been acquired over a lifetime. Now, now, that was the bad news. Now some good news. Some good news is this. God has, God has an antidote for this. He has a, he has a solution for greed. Uh, and, uh, and now all of us feel good about ourselves. Let's look at Jesus' teaching that liberates us from this greed. This is a very liberating principle that he's going to teach us today. Let me ask you a question before we start looking at Jesus' uh, Jesus' words. How many of you would like to have, really mean this, like to have a more generous heart? Anybody here like to have a more generous heart? Sure. You like to have a more generous heart? Because somewhere deep inside, you know, my heart could be more generous. You know? How many of you like to pray the prayer, Dear God, give me a more generous heart. Um, I don't want to be so greedy. Liberate me from my spending. Some of you are looking at your spouse right now and thinking, Honey, pray the prayer. <laughs> right? Let's just be honest. I mean, I do counseling for lots and lots of couples. 
And a lot of times it's because spending money is such a huge issue. Why, why is it? I just want to know. Why is it that, that, um, why is it that so often that, that pieces of green paper with pictures of dead presidents on them can stand between happiness and romantic love in a marriage? But it does. All the time. All the time. See, we live in a culture that every day makes us aware of what we don't have. Is that true? We live in a culture that every day makes us aware of what we don't have. That's not always been true. Only in about the last 40, 50 years has that been true. Through advertising and other things. And so all of us have this this sense of, of, I need more to be happy in life because that's what they say on TV or on the computer or wherever, and and, and I see what everybody else has, and so I think that makes me happy. We know that's not true, but it's just part of who we are. I believe that every one of us would pray the prayer, God, give me a more generous heart, because there is probably something in us that wrestles with this problem if we're honest with ourselves. Now, here's the good news. In this passage that we're going to look at, Jesus gives us a very practical way that will allow God to change your heart in regards to greed. Guaranteed. But, there's always that in there. But, I got to warn you, it's kind of like the example. If you were here three weeks ago when we started this series, and I gave you an example of a person who goes to the doctor, and they, they have a heart problem, and they want to get their heart fixed, Remember that? I'm sure you all remember that example. You, you, know, you remember illustrations. You don't remember the content of the message. You all just remember the stories. You, know? you remember letting that, nobody's ever going to forget from last week, you know, what we did last week. If you weren't here, you had to ask somebody what we did. First time in history of Great Oaks Church, we gave away stuff. You know? And we probably won't do it again for another 12 years. But anyway, you just let you know. So if you show up for getting stuff today because you thought last week we gave away stuff, this, no, it's not going to happen. So anyway. But the reality is, is that I talked about the first week, three weeks ago, I talked about what happens is, is a person goes to the doctor and they, they want their heart fixed. And, they need to, and the doctor says the way to get your heart fixed is, is you've got to exercise and eat healthy. And they say, well, no, 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 doctor, you don't understand. I can't do that because my heart's not in good enough shape to do that kind of thing. And Just give me a pill or do something. You know, give me the magic pill for doing that. And they're going, the doctor says no, and you have this conversation. I had a long illustration that day. But basically, we just want a magic pill to get us in shape. But, but the doctor says there's no such thing as a magic pill. Jesus is going to say in regard to greed that there is no magic pill you just can't pray a prayer god make me less greedy and all of a sudden it happens okay so there is no magic pill today there is some hard work involved but it's something that can be done so if you have your bibles this morning turn with me to matthew chapter 6 and we're going to look at a few verses in matthew chapter 6 that addresses this issue i could have picked out tons of scripture I just had to narrow the focus down this morning i thought about doing the luke passage i just looked at a while ago and i said nah this this is more straightforward Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus says this. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now we read that and we're going like, oh man, that's, that's tough. What's it saying? You know, some people go crazy with this verse. And, and let me tell you what it doesn't mean. This doesn't mean you don't have a savings account. This doesn't mean that you don't save for your kids for college. This is not a verse against being responsible with your money. 
In fact, Jesus teaches about responsible saving in other places. This is not about liquidate everything and live on the street. Some people think that, taking this verse to the, what they think is a logical extreme, and they think that's where it means. You know, get rid of everything, you know, just trust in God. Do not lay for yourself treasures on earth. And he said, you know, do that. See, what he's, what he's addressing here is this. He's addressing those of us that keep swapping out the old for the new. Those of us that we're in this incessant cycle of hoarding. Yeah, I said hoarding. You're going, that's a show on TV for people who go crazy and they just have tons of stuff in their house, right? We're not hoarders. I'm not a hoarder. Let, let me explain to you what a hoarder is in regard to what Jesus is saying. A hoarder is somebody, let me, let me ask you about your house. Just, just, just think about your house for a minute. In your basement or in your garage or somewhere, do you have lots of boxes of stuff that you have not touched in years? And you're not even sure what's in there anymore. But you still have it just in case somewhere down the road you might need it. Don't raise your hand. You're a hoarder. You're a hoarder. Because you have stuff you don't use just in case. You're storing up for yourself treasure on the earth. That's what you're trying to do because just in case. Or if you want to go to extremes, it's springtime. Believe it or not, it's supposed to be almost 60 degrees today. I heard that. Awesome. Guess what spring means for some people? Not baseball. Yard sales. Garage sales. You know what you can do at garage sales? You go and buy junk that other people have so that you can bring it home, put it in boxes, and store it somewhere just in case you might need it. That's what a hoarder is. So if you don't think you're hoarders, I think the majority of us here, I about that any of us here don't have some boxes somewhere in our basement or in our garage, if we can't use our garage, you know, some of you can't use your garage because you've got so much stuff in your garage, you couldn't possibly use your garage for what it was meant for. You know, garages were meant for cars. They really were. And so we have all this stuff going on, and, and we have that. And he's saying, he said, Jesus says, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. This is what he said in the verse, verse, verse 20. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus, you know what Jesus is saying here to us, literally? He's saying to us, get rid of some of your stuff. He's saying, if you... He's saying, get rid of your summer your stuff and do something special with it. And if you don't believe, if it's not clear in that verse, let me t show you what it says in Luke when it, the same teaching was reported by Luke. It says in Luke chapter 12, verse 33, this is what it says. Same context, same thing. He says this, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail where no, nor, no thief comes near nor no moth destroys. Same basic teaching reported by Luke. But he says it very clearly. Is it, can it be any more clear than that? Sell some of your stuff. Take the resources and give it away. Take it out of your kingdom and place it in somebody else's kingdom. Place it somewhere else. Use it somewhere else. See, it's just, it's just clear. He's saying don't hoard. That is just greed. That is greed. And then he tells us why. Not only does he tell us not to do it, then he tells us why in the next verse. You would think that after he says this, he, and especially in the Luke passage, you would think that he would say, don't store up things for yourself because all the people, think of all the people in need. Uh, that would be a good enough reason, right? 
That's what you think he would say, but that's not, what he, that's not where he goes. Instead, he takes us to this powerful principle that goes straight to the heart of the matter. This principle that will break the power of greed. And he says, if you'll follow this principle, your, your heart will be free and clear of greed. And this is verse six, uh, Matthew 6, 21. This is a verse that if you don't already know this verse, you need to memorize this verse, put it on your refrigerator, stamp it to your foreheads, and live by it. Okay, it says this. For where your treasure is, what does it say? There your heart, your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You're always wondering. I bet a bunch of you are going like, what's this thing up on the stage up here? What is it? Oh, no, it's all messed up now. There we go. Here we go. This is your heart on steroids. Okay. What is he saying is this. He's saying if you want to know where this is, your heart, what do you got to do? You got to look where this is. He says, if you want to know where your heart, not, not about what you feel. Feelings come and go, don't they? I mean, I feel you know, it's compassion for this group, or I feel for this group, or I feel for that group, or for this person, or that, or whatever. He says, no, don't look at what you feel. He said, if you want to know where your heart is, follow the money. That's what he's saying. He's saying, follow the money. For instance, if you uh, decide to invest in something, uh, say a stock, and you've never done it before, and you've never paid any attention to stocks before, and you invest part of this in a stock, what do you start doing with that stock? You start watching it. It now has a part of your heart. It has a part of your attention. It has a part of who you are. You've invested your money in it, and all of a sudden, this stock, you don't know, where, you know, you don't know what the company does. You just know that its stock's going up. And so somebody told you this is a good investment, and you're following the, following the money. And so you, you do this, and, and so it becomes something. It changes the direction of your attention, does it not? See, he's saying this. Money is an indicator, the key indicator of where your heart is. If you want to know where your heart is, follow the money. Where do you spend your money? What do you do with your money? That's the first thing he says. But also there's something even deeper here. It's also that Scripture talks about this. He says, that being true, this money can also be used in a different way. This money can be used to change the direction of your heart. Because... Where your money is, not only does it give it an indication of where your heart is, but where your money is, your heart will follow. And from other passages of Scripture, God says, God is not interested in this, really. He's really not interested in this. What he's interested in is this. He's interested in our hearts. What is the motivation of why we do what we do? Because you know what's going to happen with all this? Someday. Anybody want to guess? When you die, will you have this anymore? The Pharaohs tried it. They're the only ones that tried this. They actually took their stuff, even their poor servants, and they entombed them, you know, in their tombs to try to take it with them. Guess what? If you go there, people have robbed all the tombs by now, so you won't find it any there. But they found all the stuff still there, probably destroyed, eroded, corroded, rusted, you know, whatever. And, and it's not there anymore. See, the thing is, is that this doesn't last. 
What last is this? This is eternal. The heart is the motivation, the center of who you are. And he says, in time, if you will take and begin the process of being generous with this, guess what will follow? Your heart. Your heart will follow. And he uses this, and he, and he says this, and he uses uh, uh, in the very next verses, which are strange for many people. You've got to understand some language here. Uh, the next verse, verses 22 and 23, this is what he says. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, now some of you say, says if your eyes are good, but, so, but if your eyes are unhealthy or bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It wasn't that helpful. You're going, what? What does that have to do? What? What are you talking let me, let me simplify it. It's a little wordplay, and you have to sometimes, the English translation loses some meaning here if we don't understand what he was us- saying originally. He's saying this, just as your eyes, I mean, when you walk, how do you walk? Where's your eyes going when you're walking? Where you're going, right? You know, some of you this afternoon, I'm encouraging you, it's going to be 60 degrees, get outside and walk. Go to the woods. Go walk and do something exciting. Okay, that's what I'm planning on doing this afternoon, okay? The thing is, is doing that. If I'm going down a trail. My eyes are going to be focused on where I'm going, right? Because I, that, my eyes lead me. My eyes focus. My, the eye is the lamp of the body is what he's saying. He's saying just as your eyes direct your body, your treasure has the potential to direct your heart. Because your heart follows your treasure. Treasure doesn't have to be just an indicator of where you are. Your treasure can be an indication of where you're going to be with your heart. So he interjects two little words in here that his audience in that day probably would have picked up. But in the English translation, it doesn't come across as clearly. Because in verse 22, when he uses the word, the word for heart, he says, he's, or the, 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 uh, says, if your eyes are healthy, he says, if your eyes are healthy or good, that word, that little Greek word there that is translated healthy or good, Outside of the, it's the only place it's used in the New Testament. Outside of the biblical literature, it's usually translated with the word generous. With the word generous. It's basically saying, Jesus is saying, if your eyes are generous, your whole body will be full of light. And then the little word in verse 23 that's, uh, that's translated unhealthy or bad, that same little Greek word is translated in Matthew 20 as envious. As envious. So this is what he's saying in this verse, literally. He's saying, if your eyes are generous, if you have generous eyes, which means that you're a generous person, and you, you, have gener- and you look at things, your focus and your script of your life is focused upon being generous with this. He says, guess what? Your whole body will be full of light. But, he says, if you have envious eyes, if you have eyes that are greedy, I've got to have that, I've got to have the newest, I've got to have whatever. He says your whole body will be full of darkness. He's saying that wherever you direct your attention, if they're either generous or envious, it's going to affect not just that one area of your life, not just the financial area of your life, it's going to affect everything in your life. Does that make sense? That's what he's talking about here. See, the issue he's saying is not this. The issue is not money, the issue is the heart. And let me ask you a question. Have you ever met, be honest with yourself, have you ever met an extraordinarily generous person who was not happy? Never happened. Never happened. 
Because in generosity impacts their whole life. And on the other end, have you ever met an envious, greedy person who was happy long term? Never. Because their envious eyes affect everything in their life. See, this isn't a financial issue. It's a heart issue. And so what Jesus is saying here, that strategic generosity has the power to break the power of greed. And many of you are going like, well, pastor, that's a great idea. I think it's great. And, and, but how do you do that? How do you do that? How does this land in my life? How, let me share with you what I've learned over the years and what I've learned not only from Scripture, but what I've learned from mature Christians who practice this. It's, it's, I call it the three Ps. The three Ps of dealing with resources in our life. And the Bible teaches this starting in the Old Testament... And confirms it in the New Testament. And the three P's are this. The th three words, and I'll explain what they mean. Percentage, priority, and progressive. Percentage, priority, and progressive. And it's percentage, priority, and progressive giving. In the Old Testament, it talks about the tithe, the percentage, 10%. And God could have made any percent he wanted to. He could have said 90% if he'd have wanted to because it's all his anyway. That's the first thing we have to understand. But he said, you know, he says, what I want you to do to break the power of greed in your life is I want you to give a percentage of your income back to me through kingdom giving. It can be wherever. And he says, what I want you to do is I want you to do that, and I also want you to make it a priority, meaning that you do it when? First. Off the top. Before you make any other spending decisions, you take that and you live that. So what you give, give away this much as a way of combating greed, and then the rest of it, you live off of. And I'm, I'm glad that my parents taught me that. First, I mean, I, I was taught, and the first job I ever had, the first job I ever had was a news, newspaper carrier when I was 14 years old. And so I began the tithe principle then. I started giving 10% of my income back to my local church at that, at that time. And then I'm going to ask myself this. I'm going like, you know, how many things, how many of you would like to get beyond how mature you were at 14? Anybody here like to get more mature than where you were when you are 14 years old? If you're not like 14 yet, you can't go, oh, I'm sorry, you know, whatever. But, you know, most of us don't want to get stuck at 14, right? You know, we're going like, okay. So for me, tithing, 10%, I've never, I've never lived off 100%. Not once in my whole life. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm simply saying that's a principle that I learned in Scripture early on. And so it's always been a part of my, God's design. And God teaches me that. Just give back to me and then, then live off the rest. He says, but do it as a percentage and a priority. But the progressive part is this. I began to ask myself, you know, the Bible teaches also what is called sacrificial giving. It's talking about this whole thing of, of going beyond. And so many, a few years ago, when we were going through, and I shared this with you before going through this process of, of building this building and doing stuff and whatever, and I'm going like, you know, for years and years and years, I've given 10%. And I haven't grown beyond 10%. I mean, how much is it going to get, how, how much is it going to take for God to get $10,000 for me a year? Does that mean I have to make $100,000 in the ministry? That'll never happen. But, um, you know, what's good, how, what is it going to mean? And I'm going, it doesn't have to be stuck. I don't have to be stuck on that 10% because God wants me progressively to grow. As my income increases, as my, as, as my income grows, the thing instead of asking the question, you know, is it just for me, my stuff, just for me? 
Does God give me this stuff so I can bless others as well? And so I've, I've grown, and Vicky and myself have grown in our, in our percentage of giving over the years. We give well beyond the tithe. And I'm not saying, I'm saying that that's what God does. And let me, let me explain something to you. Not once have I ever missed it. Not once. Because it's a part of my life, and I'm going like, I don't begrudge it. I don't, you know, the thing is, is that if it's scary, let me, let, me, let, me just, let me just lay it out to you as we close here in just a minute. If this scares you, this whole idea, you know why it scares you? Because you're greedy. You have a greedy heart because you think everything's about you. And that's what Jesus wants to combat here. He says, hey, this is not about the money. It's about your heart. If you want to see God to begin to, to rake out all the junk out of your heart that makes you have these problems with not only money but with relationships and all these other things, he, he's saying, he's saying this, he's pleading with us, become percentage priority givers. It's not about the money. It's, let me, and, let, and there's something, if there's something in you that says I can't do it, it's welcome to reality. Greed's in your heart. You know, the thing that I just got to say to this as well is, I just want to throw this on the table as when I told you I'd start here and I'll end here as well. <clears throat> if you think this is about giving to Great Oaks, let me just take that off the table right now, okay? I want you, and God wants you, to become percentage priority givers. But if you don't trust what we're doing here, and you don't trust me or you trust this church, give somewhere else. It's not about here. Because God is concerned with your heart. That's what he's concerned with. And I'll tell you this, I've never, you will ne I will never, I've never met a person who makes the decision to address their greed by beginning priority percentage giving who ever regretted it later. I've never met a person who said that, not one. And it was never about this. It was always about this. And I know you want to have a pure heart. I know you want to see God do and through you everything he can. And you know that it's not as simple as a magic prayer. It's a decision you have to make. Do you know that the average American gives less than 2% of their money away? To anything, to everything, not just churches, to everything. You know what the average Christian gives? Less than 2% of their money away. That's a shame. Because we're supposed to be different. Our priorities are supposed to be different. We're supposed to be people who understand that everything is from God. And because everything is from God, it's just ours. We're just managers, stewards of it. And because of that, we begin to break the cycle of greed. Jesus says, and God says in his word, by learning to be generous. Because the Bible says it's not just about behaving well. He says this once again. Going back to that passage in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, that we began this whole series with, it says this, above all else, do what? Behave well. No, it doesn't say that. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. From, because for, for everything you do, everything you do, your financial decisions, your relational decisions, everything you do flows from it. See, my heart's desire for you as, as your pastor is that you would be as free as possible in every 
area of your life. And in the arena of finances, I plead with you to allow God to use generous giving to break the cycle of greed in your heart. It will make all the difference, not just in your finances, but in everything in your life. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning about your word. <laughs> I'm not sure that everybody here would say that because this is tough, a tough teaching. It's a teaching, though, that's true, God, because it comes so close to home and because it affects us directly and we can see it so clearly. It's not one of those gray areas. It's a black and white area. We can know if we're greedy. We can know if we're not greedy by just looking at where the money is, where we, where we spend our time, our resources, really says about where our priorities are. And God, for those of us who call ourselves Christians, your kingdom work, your work of expanding your kingdom here in this community and around the world is supposed to be a priority for us as well. And so I would pray, God, that you would just begin to, to change our hearts, that we would learn to guard our hearts in regard to this. And if we have greed in our hearts and we've looked into our hearts and we've examined our hearts and we've seen the greed that's there, God, then we would begin the process of becoming priority percentage givers. And then we just wouldn't, for those of us who have been Christians for many years, that we would ask ourselves the question, is 10% just a, a legalistic type of place to go to, or is it just a bottom line for where we, we kind of start? Because, God, one of the things I've learned over the years, and I've seen this in the lives of so many believers that are mature, is that people that grow in Christ continue to grow in Christ. It's not just a, a, a place we reach, a, a destination we reach. We grow until the day we die. So help us to grow in this area as well, God. Help us to understand that you want us to be people who love you not only with, with and, and act a certain way, but love you with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And we express that in every tangible way that we can. Guide us this morning, God, as we go our separate ways from this building, that this week we'll make decisions that will glorify you and draw people to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're not singing any more songs. We'll see you next week.